Hey guys, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Um, Cody is interviewing Shaking the Southlands recruiting guru and senior writer uh, Quacking Tiger. Um, they, of course, discuss recruiting um, as well as the Clemson season and a look ahead at the Oklahoma game. So um, should make for a great interview. hope you guys stay tuned for that one. Um, before that, though, I wanted to tell you about our podcast sponsor, SeatGeek. Uh, with SeatGeek, you get the best seats at the best prices going for sports, live music, and more. Uh, via their website, SeatGeek.com or the SeatGeek app. SeatGeek works like an aggregation service. Uh, they search multiple sites online, so you can shop in one place for concert tickets and seats to college and pro sports. Uh, yes, even wrestling. Um, and as our sponsor, they've actually hooked us up with a great offer for you all. Uh, throughout bowl season, listeners of the podcast can get $20 back on your first purchase. Just install the SeatGeek app or register your account at SeatGeek.com. And input the promo code PAWCAST, it's one word, P-A-W-C-A-S-T, in the account settings tab. And once you made your first ticket purchase, SeatGeek will send you $20. Uh, you'll probably actually be able to catch a Tigers home game up in Greenville for free at that rate. Um, and of course, they've got seats available to many more desirable events um, like major concerts, the Orange Bowl, um, NFL regular season finales and playoff games, um, the NBA, and more. So if you're looking to attend any games or concerts in the coming weeks, don't miss your chance to get a free $20 um, and the best savings and selection you'll find anywhere on the internet. Once again, um, that's SeatGeek, and the promo code to get that $20 is PAWCAST. Uh, thank you guys, and without further ado, here's Cody and Quacking Tiger. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Joined today here by Shaking the Southlands, Quacking Tiger. So, QT, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, absolutely. It's the the second time we've had you on. I think it, it's it was it's the right time because now we finally some things are going on with recruiting. Obviously, we can kind of recap the season a little bit, but also look ahead to to Oklahoma. Um, so we're just like starting off, I, I think one of the big, biggest uh, commitments we've had in quite some time, I've got to ask you about Dexter Lawrence. He was on your wish list earlier in the year. Uh, it, it came to fruition. So what, what are your thoughts on him and like what kind of impact can this guy have? Well, I mean, Dexter Lawrence uh, is a potential future first round draft pick, right? I mean, and that is no kind of stretch to, to think of him that way or to project him that way. Um, he has all the tools to be able to do just that at the defensive tackle position. So, you know, I mean, this is really, really big and, um, you know, no one can kind of minimize, uh, how big of an impact, uh, Dexter Lawrence can have. He, he will play in the two deep next year and in a stacked loaded two deep. Um, there is no way that you can kind of keep Dexter Lawrence off the field. He, he also has had, uh, just personally, it's really 
um, interesting, especially when you follow recruiting as heavily, um, you know, as, as a lot of you do to find, uh, these personalities that don't click with the spotlight of recruiting. And that was Dexter Lawrence. Like he's just was not unassuming, completely unassuming, not interested in the process, not interested in like taking all these visits and all the glamor of it, not interested in talking to the media. So really his recruitment, um, all along has been, uh, a great guessing game for a lot of people. Um, and so, you know, national analysts trying to say or, or rewrite history and say, oh, they they knew he was going here, there, whatever. Nobody had any clue. Um, so these are, you know, when these prospects come up and especially when, you know, they're consensus top three, top five uh, in the in the nation, it's just unheard of. Right. No, I, I totally agree. I, I'm just looking at my chops, thinking about him next to Christian Wilkins for it might only be two years. But even so, that that just yeah, I feel like that's going to be a nightmare for opposing running backs or really just opposing offenses altogether. Um, what, what do you think about like the defensive ends? We only took one Xavier Kelly in this cycle. Um, we have a, we have a couple guys, Austin Bryant looked good this year. I think it's Clellan Farrell, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, a lot of upside, but how do you feel knowing Shaq Lawson's departing at that position? Well, let me, let me, um, finish off with Dexter Lawrence because, um, you know, I got to gush a little bit more here. Uh, you know, <laughs> He's six foot four. He's three thirty, three thirty five. Like he, he's big enough now. Um, he's going to play the nose, right? He's going to play the one position. So he's a perfect complement to to Wilkins. Um, and you know, it's not like a guy like Scott Pagano is not a good player, right? I mean, Pagano is is progressed, and anywhere else, almost in the nation, he would be a starter, uh, like a like a absolute. Uh, starter with with no you know no uh, thought of somebody else kind of coming in. We are completely stacked with uh, with Wilkins and and uh, Carlos uh, Watkins and uh, you know I mean it's just a, a, a embarrassment of riches at the position that I don't I don't know if we've had in, since you know Chester McLaughlin was was uh, roaming the field in in 1989 right it's to 91. Um, it's just a it, it's very exciting I think. Um, to project two years down the road. Um, but, but for immediately for next year, Dexter Lawrence will play and he will have a similar impact, I think, to, uh, to what we've seen um, this year from, uh, from, you know, last year's uh, consensus, you know, top 50 defensive tackle. The two of them together are going to wreak havoc. Uh, he plays with great leverage. He has great feet, great, like intermediate, quickness um that you just do not see and the the thing that kind of set him apart this year from from previous years is his ability to kind of track from the backside and run down plays like he has a high motor he's not uh gonna come in and be somebody you need to um kind of de-recruit or anything like that um he's gonna be a humble unassuming hard-working guy good in the classroom um and uh, and really a, a a clemson type of player a team player a, a good uh you know family and uh he's gonna fit in really well so okay so sorry defensive end then this is the one well defensive back and defensive end the one position where um if you want to get nitpicky and and you want to you know see the the dumper side of life um <laughs> And have a few critiques about what Clemson has done. Um, we went in uh, to this season, uh, recruiting season, saying that we only wanted, we were only going to take one defensive end, 
right? And 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 the, we do that in a way because um, you know in the past it's kind of a recruiting pitch to kind of say, hey, we're going to take one guy. You know, if you want to be that guy, jump on board now, and you got to be all in. You got to uh, not be ready to take any other visits. But when that spot closes, it, it's done. And so when Xavier Kelly decided that he was going to commit, um, it it in effect ended our defensive end recruiting because we had been telling everyone all this time that we were only going to take one guy. Um, that, that to me is a bit frustrating because there were other really good defensive ends, um, that we could have taken in this class. But we said, you know, at the beginning, well, we only have room for one. That is not to say that Xavier Kelly is not a great player. Um, and in, you know, a year and a half, he's, I think going to be a really good player for us. Um, but you know, you have to think about, about depth, right. And, and with the departing of, of Shaq Lawson and hopefully we keep Kevin Dodd. I mean, I haven't heard anything about Dodd, uh, really thinking about leaving, but which, which is just absolutely mind boggling to me, right. That Kevin Dodd is at that level. Um, that is one of the greatest, uh, player development stories, <laughs> all of college football th- this year. Right. I mean, I mean, hobby, give that man a raise and, and make sure he's, uh, around you know for the foreseeable future but the the mixture of venables hobby and uh and uh, dan brooks is an amazing combination and you know i wouldn't trade the three of them for anybody in the country um right now you know kevin dodd as everyone is you know well documented as brent venables documented was worthless right in his first few years and, and you know he just didn't know how to play but he had that raw athleticism and he's turned it on this year so we've got dodd right who's locked in solid rock solid for next year on the strong side and then you know we'll we'll uh, we'll roll in a, a bunch of other guys you know jurgen will get his chance and and uh he uh he's shown flashes this year austin bryant has been um, good, you know, I thought he was going to be good and I, I said he would be good, but he's been better than I thought he was going to be. Um, and, uh, and I'm excited about where, you know, his, his potential, he's looked faster, um, off the ball. He's able to bend a little bit better than I thought he was going to be. So he, he gives you a, a pass rush threat. I think, um, we're going to, we're going to take a step back because, because, you know, Shaq Lawson was amazing. The best defensive end, you know, arguably better than Vic Beasley that we've had in, uh, in the past, you know, 10 years. So that, that isn't easily replaced, but we will probably will have more depth. Um, and I'm, I'm interested to see where, uh, where Cleveland, uh, you know, coming off of his, his injury, um, where he, uh, he kind of works into that too deep. Um, I, I, from all the reports I've heard, he's, he's strong, he's ready to go and he should be able to contribute next year pretty well. So some of the reports I've heard QT are, Pharrell looks looks or earlier on he looked as good or if not better than Austin Bryant so hopefully that's a hopefully that leads to something really nice uh, having him alongside you know Bryant like you said Jurgen it was it concerning to you at all this year that that Jurgen didn't get a little bit more playing time or do you think that was just because Shaq was was so dominant uh, that he kind of commanded all the or demanded all the snaps um I was surprised that he didn't get earlier um in the season more snaps uh, and, you know, I mean, Shaq has, has dealt with a separated shoulder, right? I mean, it, uh, he, he's been injured in the shoulder area. Um, so, I, yeah, I was surprised that he didn't get more. But as the season's worn on, he's gotten enough. You know, he, he needed to get 100 snaps, right? That's kind of the, 
the the threshold right of whether or not you've you've played enough to really get a, a good amount of experience in a year and, and i think he's on track to get more than than 100 snaps and so um you know that's positive to see i think he's come on uh later on in the season um and i i don't think that the the coaches trusted him as much earlier on and it was kind of shocking to see austin bryant playing as much uh as he did uh but uh you know uh, that was to be expected, right? I mean, uh, we we lost Ebo in the offseason, who was going to be basically a uh, third player that was going to be rolled in. Um, and, you know, a lot of this season defensively hinged on the ability of Dodd to step up and for the guys who were backing him, well, number one for the, the defensive ends to stay healthy, but the guys that were backing him up to be able to come in and, and give quality reps, and, and they have. Yeah, and I think a good segue here would be Looking at Rashawn Gary, who is, I think, mostly considered a defensive tackle. I'd like to get your your take on where he fits. Well, he's popping up on Clemson's radar again, and reminiscent of Christian Wilkins from last year, Brent Vittables is the is leading his recruitment. So, looking like more of a Michigan lean. But do you see? I, I guess where do you see that going? Is there a probability or a chance that Clemson could land him? And if he if he did come to Clemson, is he a strong strong side defensive end? Is he playing the tackle? Uh, yeah, um, if he does come to Clemson, I think we would try to keep him at uh, strong side defensive end, three tech, and maybe you know roll him between the two. Um, but he would, you know, it would be really he, he he's ideally suited right to play the three tech, and that's probably what he'll play in the NFL. Um, but it, he can absolutely play strong side defensive end and be as dominant a player. Um, so, you know, he would probably slim down a little bit, not, not dramatically though, because he's not that, uh, heavy right now. Um, and I think he could play the strong side defensive end. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I never count out Brett Venables, uh, when he is on the trail of a, an elite prospect, especially one in the Northeast, apparently. Um, but you know, Michigan's lead is, is substantive and um you know after that you have a a strong sec poll um but clemson's season has put itself in position to be on the radar for uh, an elite player and that's what's happened with you know the number one uh ranking i i don't think that he would have um taken this visit or you know we don't know if he's going to take a visit officially yet you know it looks like there's a strong probability that we're in the mix there right at the end you know, how vague is that? Right. But, um, uh, I, you know, there's a strong probability that we could get a, a last visit that would not have happened if we had lost a couple games, um, this season. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too excited yet. Um, Jim Harbaugh is a pretty darn good recruiter himself. And, uh, you know, Alabama, um, also is, uh, not likely to let multiple top, and recruits slip through their fingers without a strong, strong battle. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a wait and see, I think. Um, Gary and Mullen are the two uh, big-time prospects that kind of wait and see, um, make sure that, uh, you know, we, we got to get them on campus to even have a shot, right? And uh, and then once, once that happens, then we can allow ourselves a, a little bit more optimism. Right, right. And – you know, we're talking, sitting here talking about five-star recruits, and I could do that all day long. Uh, I think the next one that I look at 
is you wrote about him recently is Rashawn Smith. He had a very a good, I guess, a good trip to Clemson and, you know, ready to make the announcement, narrowed it down to his last three. It seemed like, I don't know if, if you have intel there or if uh, you just feel very confident, but what, um, I guess, what do you know? What do you think there? Oh, you, you don't want me to, to, you know, play all my cards, right? Um, I will just say that I, uh, yeah, I, I feel like of those three schools um, all along throughout the process, uh, after he decommitted that Maryland was the major kind of threat, right? That's what I was saying all along in the process. And they are no longer in the, the final three. Uh, it's Clemson and Auburn. And uh, who's the last one that he put on there? LSU, right? I believe, yeah, I believe LSU. Yeah. yeah I, don't even, I don't even know. Right. Um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, I think we can talk about, uh, what we what uh, our two deep will look like next year at, at linebacker uh, at this point and just kind of projecting right but but feeling good about that projection. Um, Brent Venables when he had Smith in camp was absolutely blown away. Right, I mean he 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 felt like that was the best workout he had ever had from a uh, from a linebacker and for Brent Venables, I mean you know the man does not just kind of blow positive smoke you know not at all most rear ends right uh that was for real and um some recruiting services i i do not understand have smith like at in the 200s or something like i think scout has him as like 266 or i I don't remember what looking at theirs but that's ridiculous that's just ludicrous right i mean that's um rashawn smith uh, will uh will play in the two deep next year at uh you know probably at the the will position and um pairing trey lamar with smith is a recruiting coup i i would not give you know any other especially for clemson's scheme right for venable's scheme those two are perfectly matched perfectly kind of uh plug into to what venables wants to do trey lamar is one of the more underrated and i've been saying this all throughout one of the more underrated uh linebackers in the country um you know his senior season was something to to behold he he was amazing um improved in his sideline to sideline agility quickness speed his ability to cover um and as a middle linebacker in this system he's just going to you know plug holes and and uh, and be aggressive and attack and he will be perfectly suited for that and smith um i think will be a terror kind of coming off the edge blitzing he can draw back in coverage and uh he really benefited i think from his season at um IMG where he got you know a, a bit higher level of competition and so i don't think his transition to the college level is going to be as dramatic as it would have been if he had just been at uh, uh, state in Maryland um, at his uh, home school there. Um, he, cause he, he transitioned from playing defensive end to linebacker this year. And, and he's gone through a bit of the, the bumps in that process. Um, and, and he's already kind of arrived right at, at linebacker. Like I think he knows what he's doing now um, and his skill set in that kind of hybrid uh, almost a, a jack player, right? In between defensive end, um, inside linebacker, uh, will really serve him well uh, in in Venable's scheme if he picks the Tigers. But you know, Auburn, LSU. Um, when was the last time you visited either of those places? Right, you went on officials, but you know, 
Yeah. Um, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, one thing that's really helped us is of course, Brent Venable's relationship all throughout the process. Uh, and that's why I kind of said, you know, this wasn't your normal decommitment. Um, especially with a guy at IMG where everybody's kind of being, you know, everybody's being recruited. Right. And everybody's kind of going through this process. Um, and, uh, it's a little bit harder to just kind of be uh, committed to Clemson and and that's it, right? And have those blinders on in a in a place like that. And so, um, so yeah, so so Smith absolutely had this relationship with Brent Venables. Absolutely, uh, there was a family relationship, and he felt very comfortable at Clemson. And uh, so, looking good, I guess is all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was I was looking. Uh, I was watching Trey Lamar's film not too long ago. And then I was like, yeah, you want to watch for Sean Smith's film. And both of them jump out at you. Like just guys that look, you know, they're playing like, it looks like they're playing peewees and they're grown men. And that's what you want to see from a linebacker in high school, right? You want to see someone that's just physically dominant. But I, w- I would venture to say that you, you talked about Trey Lamar being underrated. I'd venture to say he might even look better on film than Rashawn Smith. Uh, it doesn't, if they both come to Clemson, it doesn't matter. You know, we're happy to have them both, but uh, that's one heck of a duo. I, I compared it. And, and I guess I, what I'm trying to say too is they have they have slightly different skill sets, right? Um, and uh, and and both of those will complement each other, you know, immensely. So yeah, I, I, I agree with you though that I, I mean Lamar's senior film is uh, is amazing, and uh, he's uh, he's absolutely everything you know top fifty player in the country looks like to me on on film, live in person, all that. No, definitely. And if there was an issue with athleticism at linebacker, it's it, it's all been all but addressed at this point, or at least we hope so with Rashawn Smith's uh, hopeful commitment. I guess that'll be January the 3rd, maybe. Mm-hmm. And don't forget about the, you know, we have a third linebacker. Right. Well, we have two right now and, and possibly potentially a third, sorry, um, with Skowski. And, you know, he, he he's a tough-nosed you know, looks like a, a Venables linebacker, like, you know, an old school product of the Oklahoma days, right? Where you'd see these linebackers you know, a little bit undersized. I mean, he's actually not really undersized, but, um, you know, he, he doesn't look like Trey Lamar exactly, right? He looks like a little bit bigger than Bulware. Um, and, uh, and I think he will have, absolutely will have a role moving forward um, in the, uh, in the offense. Um, and, and I think what'll be interesting next year to see is the progression of, of Chad Smith. And he's the, I was going to ask you about Chad Smith. I'm so glad you brought him up. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, he's kind of the forgotten man, right? Like last year he, um, he's a, you know, he's a bit of a, of a, uh, workout, uh, combine, you know, stud right i mean he went to all these combines and he did really well and everybody uh boosted him up but his uh his kind of intelligence in terms of like you know knowing how to play the position he had a he had a steep learning curve when he came came to clemson because you know the 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 I don't want to, you know, say that his scheme was rudimentary, but he just, he just had a learning curve. Most linebackers do have a learning curve when they, they come into college. It's one of the harder positions to transition into. So it's almost not fair to kind of say that. Um, but, um, you know, he, he's had a year, uh, so he's, he's in the system. And I think he's a guy whose potential is still really, really high. Right. And, and, 
you know, people are kind of down on him for not, you know, being this all everything and, and, uh, you know, being red shirted. But, um, I, you know, I think he'll give him a year and a half, give him, you know, next season to, to work in the two deep. He's going to be a special teams, uh, player who I think will excel. Um, I'm really hoping that he'll, he'll excel in special teams because certainly we, we could use that. Um, and, and I think he, he will fit nicely in, uh, as, as, uh, backup at will initially, but has the potential, right? That high ceiling to be able to, um, to contribute, uh, while he's at Clemson. Don't write him off just yet. Right. And I think he bumped up to like a top 50 rivals guy by the end of the, by the end of the year last year. And I guess, like you said, probably because of his combine numbers. Um, but yeah, it was kind of strange not seeing him with the, knowing the depth situation, Corey Rogers departure earlier. It's, it's odd and just not seeing him crack the two deep BNA, you know, what was a high four star, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, we won't write him off. And if he can help us on special teams and great, we need, we need all the help there. Um, maybe looking at two more guys in the 2016 class they they've been kind of just hanging on John Simpson and Deandre Overton. We, I guess they've been Clemson leans this whole time, but do you feel like our grasp, maybe it's kind of, kind of slipping away a little bit, the longer this plays out. Um, with Deandre Overton, no, not at all. Uh, I, I, I can, I, yeah, there, there isn't a scenario where I see that NC state, can swoop in and and steal him from us unless yeah I I just I don't see it right now. Um, Overton is actually a big piece of this year's class just because uh, he gives you something that um, you can't teach to other wide receivers, especially you know at the at the nine position with his height. He'd be a matchup nightmare. Even even next year in the red zone, um, I could see him. Uh, playing situationally as he learns the offense, as he, you know, he's still, he's six, he's a legit six foot five, right? I mean, you just can't teach that height. And we haven't had that since, you know, Bryant was able to kind of do that, but, but even Bryant wasn't able to kind of high point the ball and catch it with his hands. And that's something that um, Overton absolutely uh, can do. That's actually, you know, I think his strength right now he'll need to add weight he'll need to add strength he'll need to adjust i think to the speed of of the college level so i don't think he's going to be any kind of like you know breakout star but i do think that he will give us that size in the red zone that we may call upon during the season or need to to have um at some point just gives you a matchup uh, nightmare you know for for smaller corners that you can use to exploit certain matchups and um so, you know, NC State can basically offer him everything, right? I mean, you can start right away. You can be our all-everything uh, wide receiver. And, you know, Clemson saying, hey, you can be a part of wide receiver U and um, and be a part of an uh, increasingly more difficult uh, wide receiver uh, like get like being recruited at wide receiver at Clemson means something now. Right. I mean, it's, it's a really big deal. Uh, a lot of wide receivers this year and especially in the 2017 class want to be recruited by Clemson and Clemson's like, well, you're top 100 wide receiver. We, we kind of got a line of guys here. Sorry. Uh, you know, uh, so I, if, you know, if, if for some miraculous reason Overton doesn't, pick Clemson, um, then uh, we, we have a long list of suitors lined up for 2017 that are almost all of them in the top 100. So, Yeah, it's 
I think, yeah, like you said, long list and one of them, I think is James Robinson, uh, just like announced a five-star and he's like very high on Clemson out of Florida. Um, Yeah, he's he's very high on Clemson. And uh, I mean, I, you know, he might be one of those recruits that kind of goes, goes the distance and kind of goes through the process, but absolutely. He is a, uh, very, very high on, uh, on Clemson's list and he is high on, uh, on Clemson. Yeah. And like you said, you really can't have enough of those like big receivers. We, we saw it when, when Mike Williams went out, we were missing that, that element of the offense. And I, I love Trevion Thompson. I certainly think he has a role in the offense and he'll, he'll have, he'll have some success at Clemson, but he's not quite, I think he's a little bit shorter. He's just not quite in that same mold. And yeah, you're talking about Overton. He's a converted basketball player. I don't know. You, I just, you see so many success stories. It seems when it comes like to these converted basketball players, a lot of times it's at the tight end position, but I don't know. I think there's just something to be said for like the footwork and the kind of the, um, the ball skills that come with that. Um, what, what about John Simpson? It sounds like, uh, Overton is uh, more or less a lock in your book, but Simpson seems like, I don't know, it could be wavering a little bit at this point. Yeah. Um, and the last thing I'll say about Overton too, is he, he played really well as a DB this year. I mean, he had like double digit interceptions, uh, on the high school level. So, you know, I mean, there, there's ball skills and there's athleticism there. That's, uh, I don't think he's going to play cornerback or DB, uh, in at the college level, unless he bulked up, you know, big time, and then we'd have a six foot five hulking. <laughs> oh, sounds like curse, right? All right, it does. Maybe that could work. Um, no, but yeah, Big John, right? Big John Simpson is uh, the offensive line recruiting this this uh, year has probably been the most frustrating position, I think, for not just for fans, but I think for for Clemson coaches. We finished second for you know. Uh, a handful of probably actually like five or six guys who we really, you know, were after and and wanted. And that has not happened in a long time. Um, And I don't think it'll happen in the future, but um, yeah, big John Simpson um, had an, an excellent senior year. Uh, He plays guard, but at his school, he pulls a lot, right? So um, he has great uh, feet he has uh, great reach, uh, you know, long arms, um, good, good strength. He'll need to increase that, but he, he's pretty much, you know, road grader at his level right now uh, at the high school level. And he showed out, I think, at the Shrine Bowl as well. Um, they moved him to tackle, which shows the versatility that he has. I mean, I think he, he's best suited in Clemson's offense at, at guard because of that, that ability to pull. Uh, he would just be a monster inside. Um, but he, but he's flexible, you know, he's versatile, I guess is the, the word I should use. Uh, he could play tackle for us in a pinch and, uh, and move all over the line. So there's a lot of things about his fit with Clemson that, uh, is, you know, really, uh, I think important for the line moving forward. And he's a key piece, right. Of this recruiting class. And he's always been sitting there. Uh, and there have been about like three times where he's almost committed and, you know, just one thing kept him from committing or, you know, just pushed it off or whatever. And so, um, so yeah, I, I think there is a cause to not kind of view this as, as a lock, um, uh, where do we begin? Um, Florida, I guess is the, the main threat, right? Right, right now. Uh, he took a visit, an official visit to LSU 
And that's really where the door kind of got cracked open a little bit because there are some very persuasive coaches. And I think you can draw the dots between who's there at LSU and what they could be saying about Clemson that might, you know, crack the door open a little bit to other programs. Um, you know, LSU on that official visit, right? I mean, they have nothing to lose. They're just trying to, to you know, hope that they can prolong the process. Um, and there are absolutely people around Simpson who are, you know, uh, very much kind of SCC oriented. Let me say that. Um, uh, so there's, there's a lot of pressure to uh, kind of revisit the, the South Carolina question uh, in his recruitment that, that had been put to bed, right? I mean, he, he had moved on almost like officially from South Carolina. He has a good relationship with, with Elliot, coach Elliot. Uh, and you know, he, it must champ, must chump, must champ, uh, being kept around, uh, absolutely. Or it must champ keeping Elliot around, um, absolutely keeps them like in, in the question, I guess, you know, in, a possibility, but it's kind of like a, a, a distant third, I would say right now, Florida, I think is the real, um, challenge, uh, and it'll it'll depend too on like how far does uh, Big John want to go, right? Does he want to leave the state? And I think that that official visit to LSU um, made him feel like he could f- go further from home than perhaps initially he he had thought he wanted to do. Because um, throughout his recruitment, right, he it, Clemson has done a, a good job of kind of staying in the the lead in the front of the conversation. Um, and, and Big John didn't go to other places, right? He, he wanted to just kind of focus on his season and, um, and there weren't a lot of opportunities to get other places. Uh, but now the, you know, he can take his officials and, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, sweating or anything. I'm not like really worried, but, um, you know, uh, this is, that does seem like one of those situations where somebody, uh, is really comfortable with, with one thing for so long that, you know, maybe they, they want to, maybe they, they want something a little bit different here at the end. And, and in those situations, um, a lot of times the, the recruit will come, you know, uh, Huggins last year, right. Did, did a lot of the same things where he just wasn't sure he wanted to lock in on Clemson. He wanted the process to continue, uh, but ultimately, you know, he just, he felt most comfortable and he connected with, with Clemson and, and he wanted to stay home. Um, with, with Simpson, I don't know if that's a lock to happen. Uh, it, you know, it could happen in the same way, but it also could be one of those situations where it's like, yeah, you know, I know what I got here and these guys are offering me something or selling me something different. It's SEC. It looks attractive right now. I'm getting away from, you know, what I know so far, or, or, you know, they just, he just gets blown away by something, some new experience, right. Something, something different. Um, and, and he, and he wants to go there. So the door is, is cracked open, but I don't know how wide it is right now. I'm not, I'm not panicking. I guess that's, that's good. good. Uh, uh question, question about, about offensive line. Line. So, so this, this doesn't really, really pertain to recruiting, but I'm kind of curious. A lot of a lot of people, we just kind of assume that going into 2016, that we're going to have the better offensive line. A lot of these young guys are going to step into the fold. But 
I mean, you have to look at like Mitch Hyatt. There's no Mitch Hyatt in this recruiting class. I don't even know if there's a Jake uh, from Oregon. Um, and we even saw a guy like him who was, you know, a really high four star. Didn't really like he wasn't really ready to go. It would have been better probably to redshirt him. What, do you do you see improvement uh, when the offensive line from this year to next? And do you see any of these guys that are coming in, even if John Simpson does come in, making a uh, an impact right away? So, um, who do we lose next year? We lose Ryan Norton, right? Right. McLean and, and Gore at right tackle. So we got two guys that were, were really losing that, that played substantive snaps that weren't, uh, that didn't make us worse when they were on the field. Sorry. Gotta say it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Gore, uh, you know, at right tackle, I think we're fine for Morgan. We'll come in. Um, and you know, he's already taking up more and more snaps as the season has worn on. I, you know, I, I think in the Oklahoma game, it'll probably be something like a, a 70, 30 split or 60, 40 split with, with playing time for, for, for Morgan who's battled injuries, who's had to gain, uh, you know, strength, um, and more upper body strength. Uh, but, but Hyatt and for Morgan have elite, uh, technique. Right. And, and they don't have to learn that, right. There isn't this big gap in that knowledge that they, that they have to acquire. They're not athletes out there that have no idea what they're doing and they're, they're slowly putting it together. They're good athletes, you know, solid athletes who have that knowledge base that just need to add more strength and, and weight. Um, and so they will absolutely get better, um, and, and progress and, um, and, I'm excited about where if they stay healthy, there's no reason why we, we don't have two of the best offensive tackles in college football um, next year and the, the year after. Um, and, and then I'm, I'm, I think we're talking about, you know, being worried about losing one or both of them. Um, that's the kind of ceiling that I think both of them have. I'm, I'm, I'm really high on Jake for Morgan. I, I think he is going to be an excellent player for us going forward. Um, yeah. So then, you know, what do we have inside? Uh, Crowder is still the, one of the best interior players I think we've had in recent memory in recent years. He's, he's hampered with his, uh, toe injury, right. Um, with the turf toe, which is, uh, just, you know, it takes time for him to heal. And, and I think it's, it's clear that you can see a marked difference between him and, and Maverick Morris when, when, uh, when Mav, when Maverick is in there. Um, and, and, and to be clear, like, I, I don't think that, we're holding Crowder out because he's not as good as Morris. It's just that the, the injury is holding him back and, and, you know, you have to play him sparingly. And, and what you get out of him right now is more like him going straight in a line, right. And, and moving side to side can be, can be difficult at times. Hopefully uh, by Oklahoma, he's, you know, progressed and, and much more healthy. Um, so, so I think that the, the right side is, is locked in, in terms of, you know, first, line starters um center you know jay's done great um and i don't i don't see us regressing at all i think uh uh is is also a a player who will improve and he gives you depth at all three positions on the interior of the line um you know i i'm gonna eat crow for uh for what i said you know historically about uh taylor hearn uh you know he (laughs) he can play right tackle or left tackle in a pinch, he can back up and give you quality snaps and it blows my mind and I'm, I don't understand it, but he's done really well. Um, and I think, 
if he dedicates himself for another year in the off season and, and loses a little bit more weight and has more strength uh, gains, he could, he could uh, position himself nicely to, to battle for that interior position. That doesn't mean that I don't think it's crazy for Clemson to ever recruit uh, two offensive linemen. Um, you know, I'm, 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 that is bad recruiting strategy that we should never do again. And, and Florida state actually this year is, I mean, that's one of the reasons why they, they were not as good this year because they recruited for two years, two offensive linemen rather than, you know, uh, what you should with it, have at least three. So, so Morris and, um, and, uh, Hearn are going to uh, battle and, and Falsinelli and, and, you know, maybe, those young guys, you know, we got uh, Jilla, right? Who's gonna come off a, a redshirt year, and and uh, and we'll have Green, who uh, just had to have some some surgery, you know. So I, Ian, I don't know his his situation right now. I haven't heard anything on that. But you know, going forward, we have bodies, we have you know people uh, with with you know decent amounts of talent to fill kind of backup roles and that uh, left guard position. So um, anybody this year that I think steps in right away, I don't, I don't see that. I think Pollard will be a quality uh, tackle in time and you need, he needs a regular developmental process. Give him two years, uh, maybe a redshirt year and, uh, and he should be a quality player. Um, Chandler, I think is a, you know, he's a project and, but, but I will say that, um, Ankrum is uh, uh, somebody that the the offensive line staff uh, highlighted early on in the process as one of the top guys on their board, and um, and and not for a lack of trying did did they not you know uh, attract him? He he just was not interested in Clemson throughout the process. Uh, he was kind of dead set on going to Georgia, um, and uh, and then Georgia was was full at the position um they they have a silent commit i think it's ej price that they're waiting on coming um and so you know um they uh they didn't they he wanted to commit and they they weren't going to take him he was below their their board and and clemson has never viewed him that way they've always had him very high because he has these nice long arms he's very uh uh versatile as well like he can play inside but he can also play outside um so he's he's the one person that i would say you know hold off on that he is a, a quality recruit uh he, he may not be like elite level but he will get there and um you know, with a really good off season, um, he could challenge for a too deep interior position next year. And he is that kind of talent, I think. Um, and, and I think he will be a factor moving forward. So he's the guy that, that I'm, I'm, I'm happy about. If Simpson, um, does commit to Clemson, uh, I, I also think that, uh, he will be a great interior player for us because they, they, you know, they're not similar molds, but they both have the long arms and they're able to pull really well. Um, and so they fit kind of what, what Clemson wants to do. Yeah, I guess I'm a little, little negative here, and you're, you're just, I guess you're pumping sunshine now. Things are, yeah, uh, things what are changing. What are pumping sunshine? What is that? <laughs> uh, but I get maybe I'm putting a little bit too much stock on, uh, on the upperclassmen of this year, who, like you said, they're not particularly like talented, or uh, we definitely have guys that coming in that may have been starters in in the past, but they're going to be backups like Fastinelli and Hearn and Maverick Morris for next year. So then that's just that in and of itself is a, is a good sign for the offensive line. 
remember too going yeah. into the year, you know, uh, McLean, uh, everyone had a ton of questions about how good he would be. Right. I mean, he had never been good up until this year. Um, so, you know, um, and, and that was, I think his natural progression moving from tight end and, and how hard of a transition that was, uh, for him. But, you know, it wasn't until the bowl practices last year and the bowl game that he really developed, uh, into, you know, the player that he is this year. And, you know, I'm, I don't think he's like NFL caliber kind of great, awesome but but he he's solid he knows his assignments he's not blowing assignments uh he was instrumental in kind of helping gel right uh, with the young guys and, and teaching the young guys and bringing them along uh so he's really valuable and really important uh player for us but but his, his kind of like talent level i think has uh, always had a cap because his arms just you know they aren't as long and and he isn't as quick or as as athletic as as uh you know as as an elite kind of guard uh could be could have a little bit you know i'm being nitpicky here but he's been a great player for us he's been absolutely solid and and way better than than players we've had in the past right and and we wouldn't be at the level we're at this year on offense without that interior line being able to push some people off the ball that's something we haven't seen before uh in in years past Um, he's a heck of an interview too yeah i don't know if you if you see him on interviews he's like I don't know, him and J. Ron Kirsch, they uh, just they get you so fired up, kind of for two different reasons. McLean's more of like the cheerleader, and J. Ron Kirsch is the guy who has no sensor. But anyway, that's kind of a side note there. Well, he would run laps around me in, in interview skills, so <laughs> I didn't say much. I should keep my mouth shut. <laughs> well, I'll say we'll take McLean on the podcast whenever he uh, after he graduates, if, right. he, if he's willing to join us. But um, maybe one last question about recruiting, and then I want to get your opinion on the upcoming Oklahoma game. Sure. So we got we had two really uh, just unbelievable commitments in the same week at quarterback in the 2017 class. Hunter Johnson, five star. Chase Bryce, four star. For one, what do you what do you make of having two QB commitments like back to back like that? But also, what do you what do you think of these guys? Well, I mean, uh, my initial worry was that uh, you know Z Cooper, um, w- who has had some. Uh, overtures from other programs right who've tried to get back into it i you know i worry was worried that this might dislodge his kind of you know his his core commitment uh and that he might be open to other other uh, suitors but it sounds like he's he's you know satisfied and he's pretty solid because we will we will need him um i'm i'm amazed at at the, the level of recruiting that we're able to have now um, in, in gaining both of these commitments. I thought that Chase, who, who is like, he's been my guy, right? I mean, I haven't officially come out and said who my, you know, major people are for this upcoming year, but he made so much sense in so many ways, right? He, he was close, you know, he keeps the, the, the Grayson pipeline running, uh, because they have a lot of talented players coming up. I mean, they always have talented players. They're a great program. Um, and, uh, Mickey Khan does a great job with, with that program. Um, and, but he, you know, they transitioned to a spread offense, right. And, and this was his first year in it and he excelled, you know, people will complain about him kind of being streaky or whatever, but, um, I, you know, I think that with, 
another year and with, you know, time in the system, he's just going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, and you know, he, he's not going to run all over you, but he has decent wheels as well. I mean, he can, he can run, uh, the, the zone read and do all the things that, that are needed to be done in our offense. Um, but he, you know, he made a lot of sense to me. Uh, and he wasn't, you know, a five, he's not a five-star guy, but he's a solid high four-star with, with uh, a, a high ceiling, I think too, and would fit in really nicely with what uh, Clemson's culture and, and, you know, and continuing our emergence within Georgia. Uh, he's, he's really well regarded by uh, other recruits as well in the state of Georgia and in, you know, and, and uh, recruiting circles. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that that will in and of itself will pay dividends with, with other recruits. So I, I thought that the, we were kind of focused on him and that he was going to kind of be our guy. I knew that he was really interested in Clemson. I knew that he uh, loved his, his the, the game. I think it was the Notre Dame game when he was there, or maybe it was the Florida State game. Anyway, yeah, things were turning towards Clemson. Um, and, you know, uh, plucking another great quarterback out of the state of Georgia underneath the Bulldogs nose. I mean, there's nothing sweeter than doing that to Georgia with a Heisman candidate and with, with, uh, you know, another great, great quarterback who Georgia, for some reason, you know, they just don't understand that not every recruit in the state of Georgia wants to go to Georgia. Um, so it's, it's really refreshing to be able to see, uh, see us be able to pluck guys right out of their backyard anyway so hunter johnson visits right and he, he you know the wheels were in motion for him to decommit from from tennessee um you know, i think butch's act is running a bit thin with some of these uh families and with some of these uh uh recruits because you know it's really easy to see with him kind of jettisoning players that the whole family yeah, some coaches can pull off for so long, kind of, kind of saying, "Hey, we have this family environment." But when you come to Clemson and when you when you talk to Dabo Sweeney, uh, it, it's it does uh, feel different. I mean, it, it absolutely is different, and you know, um, Dabo is able to do that in a way that's just. I mean, it's almost magical how he's able to differentiate himself through that recruiting pitch. Um, so when Hunter Johnson came to campus. Um, you know, I, I was, I was, uh, enthusiastic. I was, you know, I, th I thought, wow, you know, we, we might have a chance, uh, here. And then I heard good returns, but I had no idea that he was going to pull the trigger. I thought that maybe after signing day, you know, that, that this would be in, in motion. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that family and, and Hunter and that family felt something, uh, so there's, there's a, a deeper pull to Clemson, a, you know, an almost, uh, transcendental spiritual pull to Clemson that, uh, I think will be, uh, you know, w w will, uh, help us in terms of maintaining that commitment through the process. Uh, so, uh, we have a, a high quality five-star all world elite talent and, uh, a really, really good, four-star guy who fits into our system. Um, and with Hunter Johnson, like what you get is this really great accuracy. Uh, he has like elite level accuracy, throws a, a beautiful deep ball. He's probably a better runner than, than Cooper. Um, so he, he also is able to uh, fit into our, you know, uh, dual threat mold. I mean, people have him as a, as a uh, drop back passer, but he, uh, he absolutely will be a dual threat. 
Um, and, and there's not a, a, you have to get really nitpicky when you're looking at junior level quarterbacks that are at this elite level to, to find flaws in, in their games. I could say, Oh, you know, chases is, is kind of streaky and Hunter Johnson isn't as strong and doesn't have as much velocity as like a Deshaun Watson. It's like that. That's crazy for me to, to say that as any kind of, uh, critique, right? Because, you know, I'm talking about a, a Heisman level candidate uh who stepped onto the field and day one was able to to run this offense at a high level so both of those guys are are uh really you know i mean it's amazing i mean we haven't had other than deshaun watson that caliber quarterback uh at clemson in in maybe ever right and i could talk to you all day about the quarterbacks and i will ask you one question just one more on the quarterbacks if you had to pick one and I know there's a lot to be determined, but who is your guy over the next, I don't know, like three years. Is it, is it Kelly Bryant or is it, is it Cooper or or maybe one of these guys? I don't know the answer to that. That is a tough question. Um, People want to write off Kelly Bryant as unable to throw, you know, Um, but, and and he has always had kind of some mechanic issues uh, that he'll have to, to straighten out. He kind of like pole vaults or, uh, I don't even know the right way to, to describe it. It's a, uh, you know, he's, he's got a cannon for an arm, but he, he, his mechanics have to be smoothed out. Right. So if, if Kelly can do that and continue to progress, I think he, he has a higher learning curve in terms of reading defenses, for example, going through progressions. Um, so that'll be his challenge, but he's a better runner than anybody else. Right. And, and so he has the superior athleticism than even Deshaun Watson at the position. So, so, um, and then you have, uh, you know, Cooper coming in, who's coming off injury, but, but he has a, a better arm and, uh, and a stronger throwing kind of velocity arm cannon arm than, than I think anybody when he steps on campus. Uh, and he, he also will have a little bit of a learning curve in terms of, uh, reading defenses and things. And then, you know, I don't know if we can look at, uh, project right hunter johnson and uh and and chase uh just yet um but i'm really excited to see where those guys go because they're just getting bigger and i mean they're they're juniors for crying out loud they're going to get bigger and stronger and they're going to have their senior years that will be able to evaluate them uh and uh and i you know hunter johnson obviously i think is the guy uh, who you would think would eventually once he gets on campus be able to take things over but but i you know kelly bryant will have every opportunity um as these guys redshirt and things to have his two years or his year um to be the starter i think now that's fair it yeah probably too far out to project these guys and one bright thing it's crazy to think we have another year of deshaun watson so um bryant can work as his understudy for one more year and i'm sure he'll be better for it uh QT, let's get into the the Oklahoma game if you're if you're ready. And if you don't have any other like, comments on recruiting, any other thing that's kind of in your back pocket. Oh well, I mean, 2017 is looking extremely encouraging. Um, yeah, I mean, then as signing day comes closer, I think we could start to piece things. You know, start the board will I, to shake out. I, I guess I should say uh, really quickly about DB. I mean, that's the position defensive back that I think has been the most frustrating this year. Um, defensive end is frustrating to me because I wanted um, Clayton uh, to, I, he, 
I'm going to write an article on this soon, but the synopsis basically is he was all set and ready to be a tiger, but we were full at the position, like I said, kind of earlier in the podcast. So that was frustrating to me because I think we could have used two defense, d- defensive ends this year. Um, and, you know, we'll see how much attrition is there uh, at the end. That's kind of, you know, one of the problems is with this, with this recruiting classes, um, it was so small um, and we've been relying on, or we've ha- had to wait almost on knowing whether guys were going to jump to the NFL. And there's a lot of guys who are kind of on the, on the cusp of, uh, you know, they have, they have to decide, they have really tough decisions and we don't know which way they're going to go. And the coaches can't know until after uh, the bowl games. Right. So, so it's been difficult to project whether we would have 19 spots or 20 spots or even, you know, could we have 21 spots if a lot of people go, if Leggett, if, if Tank were to decide to go, if Dodd were to decide to go, you know, something crazy like that, which would be awful. But um, so that's one of the reasons why the coaching staff going into the season, because there were only, I think, 13 seniors, had to be very careful with who they're offering scholarships to, because one of the things that our staff does better than everybody else is they don't like to burn bridges, right? And they don't like to burn players and burn coaches and um, and just kind of throw offers out and, and without having them actually be there uh, because they've developed this kind of integrity uh, that, that high school coaches really resonate with and it allows them to get into places that Clemson historically may not have been able to kind of fully you know, be in. Anyway, all that's to say that with defensive back, we haven't really known what we wanted to do Um we, we haven't known whether we wanted a corner or a safety. Um, I've always said we needed to take two defensive backs. Just take two, a corner and a versatile safety, maybe even a safety nickel type of player and, and you know, get them committed and call it a day. Get, get Robinson on board if you, if you, you know, early on in the process, he would have jumped on, on board. Or, uh, you know, go earlier on Troy Pride, who, who looks like he's going to Notre Dame now. Um, it could, because he, you know, we didn't have a relationship with him and that's the thing with, with the defensive back position that's frustrating. And one thing that Clemson is so good at normally is developing these long-term kind of relationships with, with players and not just kind of jumping in willy nilly and whatever, uh, jumping from player to player. Uh, so I'm, I'm still hopeful that we will get the official visit from Mullen. It's scheduled. Um, but you know, he's still a strong FSU poll lean, I would say, at this point. We, he's always said that, you know, Clemson is his dream school. He'd like to get on campus. But he but he never visits, right? And and so, you know, how many times is somebody going to say that? And and uh, so if he does come on campus, we'll, uh, we'll have a legitimate shot. But until then, I'd say that's all FSU. Uh, and he's the last kind of like really high defensive back cornerback um, on the board uh, other than uh, some of these. And, and I apologize. My, my uh, cold is uh, coming back here. So uh, I sound awful. So uh, sorry about that, but uh, really quickly. Um, yeah. So there's other guys that we're evaluating because cornerback is one of those positions that kind of um, they're late bloomers. Right. And, and you can grab a, a running back or an athlete and see how they can, transition to uh to cornerback so there's still options out there uh but i think for our for our uh for our depth at defensive back we have bodies but we don't you know we have we don't really have 
um, as many quality players simply because we brought in trap and we were bringing in, you know, Dawkins jr. This year. Uh, and we passed, you know, last year on or right. Kareem or who would have been, who was, I think all ACC freshmen this year. Right. And, uh, and a lot of other guys who we could have had at the defensive back position because we were worried about numbers. Um, anyway, so Oklahoma, let's move on. Yeah, well, I'll say making that that Mark Fields decommit from or uh, getting him to flip from Carolina is very important right now because we're looking kind of bare at that position group. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about Oklahoma though. Um, I, I watched a little bit of film. I looking at like you know their entire entire roster. They're a good team. There's no doubting that. I mean, what what kind of I guess worries you the most uh, looking at their team that that could cause Clemson trouble? Um. I'm not worried. We're going to blow them out. No. Uh, <laughs> um, what am I most worried about? Well, Baker Mayfield makes them a different team, right? Trevor Knight just, he was not, he, he did not do it for that team. And, and you could see the difference whenever Trevor Knight was on the field all throughout the season. They're just a completely different team. So, you know, I, I, uh, I am a, a little bit worried that, uh, that they will find the few seams in the secondary, that they will exploit a few matchups. They were not able last year to take advantage of Bowler out of the backfield. Um, and uh, I'm a little bit worried because I think that the two-headed monster of uh, Pirine and uh, – I am pronouncing that right, yes? I believe so, yeah. And Mixon, Joe Mixon, he's a, he is a good running back. Uh, highly recruited but had a ton of red flags – like more red flags than I, you know, than ever. Right. But Oklahoma, you know, they roll with it. They, they, they're fine with those flags, uh, whatever. Uh, he's a good player and he gives them a dynamic kind of one, two punch, a little bit of a change up, uh, and a little bit, uh, more ability, I think in the, the open field, they're both really good really good uh, running backs and they both catch the ball really well out of the backfield. So, so Oklahoma's ability to put two of them on the field at the same time uh, has helped them to exploit some, uh, you know, positional matchups against linebackers. And that's probably where I'm the most afraid that they will be able to, um, to, to take advantage of our, uh, of our linebackers. But you know that's been been my fear all year, right? And and Venables has done a great job of scheming it up, and uh, and being able to roll out different you know packages and things. And and I don't know what he's going to do. I'll, I'll be really interested to see what he does uh, against Oklahoma. He uh, he could go more dime, right? And and Curse could come closer to the line. Um, will we see more Adrian Baker uh, with? Uh, mckenzie in the slot or has mckenzie healed enough uh and and is he gonna do the same thing as last year where he shadows uh shepherd around again and shuts him down completely uh which was just awesome so you know that's where i'm a little bit worried on defense uh i'd say on offense um you know they, the oklahoma has a lot of athletes they have a great front line um i'm i'm we were able to run the ball on them last year. And, and that's not something that uh, a lot of people expected. I definitely didn't expect it coming into the game. So if we're able to dictate the off, uh, if we're able to run, not dictate, but d- just simply run the ball uh, well, 
um, their secondary is their weakness and, and Deshaun Watson will be able to exploit that, I think. Um, but you know, running quarterback, I think is, uh, is what they're afraid of. So can we establish the running game, uh, in the A B gaps, you know, I mean, up the middle in the A gap, uh, can we push off the ball, uh, with all the athletes that they have along the defensive line? Uh, because they got embarrassed last year and we wore them down um, and they weren't ready for that. But I think they'll be ready this year um, and they have some, some quality defensive ends and, uh, and guys who can get after Deshaun Watson. I mean, we haven't given up many sacks this year towards the end of the year uh, at all. And that's been something that's just been, you know, really amazing, really refreshing to see uh, Deshaun Watson not take a pounding every game. Right. Um, and, and that's helped him stay healthy. So um, I do think that our advantage comes partly because of Brent Venables and his uh, knowledge of the system. I mean, I, you know, going into last year, I didn't, I don't think I gave that enough credit, just how well Brent Venables knows what's going on with Oklahoma. So, so maybe the question there is, will that be mitigated by the fact that they have, you know, Riley as the new offensive coordinator and, and how much can Venables predict and anticipate that new system compared to last year where he was basically, you know, living in their brains and uh, they could do absolutely nothing that he did not know was coming. Right. right. Punch Punch the so, so you sounded, you, said, you were just joking when you said that we would blow them out, but do you feel a little bit more confident? I, I, feel, I feel more confident knowing that the defense has gotten some rest I, I know I don't really put too much stock into what happened last year as, as uh, you know, what could potentially happen this year. I think it's a completely different Oklahoma team, but yeah. do you, do you feel a little bit more confidence at least compared to the, you know, being uh plus two and a half points that where Vegas has us like, how, how do you feel going in? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more, more confident um, with the defense having, you know, had rest and, and healing. I mean, Boulware was playing with one arm. Like that is not an exaggeration or hyperbole. He, he was not able to use one of his arms for those last, you know, games. And so, um, that was always a, a huge worry. Like, would he be able to handle the pain? Would he be able to, you know, he, he wasn't tackling very well. And so having a, a more healthy, a healthier Boulware, I think is, is big. Shaq Lawson, same thing. Like he, you know, he had an injury he was dealing with and, and was limited, I think, a little bit in some of those games. And, and you know, Curse and those guys were, I, you know, I don't think that they were trying to dog it or trying to, you know, be fatigued, but it, I think it did seep in uh, and you could see it. So having Green on the field, um, you know, for the full game, since he wasn't there in the second half of the, UNC game, it will help us. Curse being locked in and loaded and needing to have a you know an NFL tryout. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Um, I think we're going to get you know max effort from everybody and and every and again, I don't think that people weren't trying to give max effort, but I think it did. Just the the, the season dictated that you know they were a, a step slower than they had been earlier in the year, right? Especially and- as games wore on, right? Yeah, very little depth, and yeah, the, you you just saw it progressively just get a little bit worse. And I feel like just hanging on for dear life against the Tar Heels. Luckily, you know, we we did come out on top. Um, so, QT, maybe maybe one last question. I, I, we're uh, kind of getting late here on the West Coast, and my girlfriend goes to bed really really early. So, uh, gotta you gotta do what I gotta do. Um, so, uh, 
for one, what are your um, what are your New Year's Eve your Orange Bowl plans? And two, are you going to the national championship if we make it? So uh, my plans are to lock myself alone in a deep, dark cavern and not have any contact with anyone other than the TV until and the the you know shaking the Southland community until <laughs> risen victorious. Uh, and then I will talk to humanity again. Uh, and, um, if we make it, you know, I'm, I have travel arrangements, uh, but I'm, I'm still, I'm looking for a ticket that, that I can afford <laughs> for the uh, championship game. So if I can find those two things, uh, I have, I have, I have accommodations now in, uh, in Arizona and Phoenix and the way to get there, that's all been arranged, but, but I need a ticket. So we, we, we shall see to be determined. We got lucky. We did the $20, you know, $20 to reserve the rights to a ticket. If your team is to make it back before, I think it was like the, the Boston college game when, but now, you know, it kept going up. So we got lucky at 20 bucks. And you're, you know, you're welcome to crash our RV and, you know, join us if, if you make it out to the, uh, out to the game. But if nothing else, you know, let's, let's go Tigers, but also it'd be great to have you uh, on, you know, hopefully as things wrap up and then around national signing day towards the beginning of the year. Sounds great. Always a pleasure. All right, QT. Thanks a lot. Take care. You too. Bye. Again, thank you to Quacking Tiger for joining us. Um, if you don't follow his work on SP Nation's Shaking the Southland, make sure you do. He does a wonderful job, gives great analysis, great insight, mainly follows recruiting, uh, does a wonderful job giving updates there, um, let, lets you know what's coming down the pike from a Clemson uh, player standpoint. So, again, follow, follow his work. I've been following him for a while, and um, it's always a great read whenever uh, you see an article being posted by him. Um, wanted to give a quick plug to the podcast. Go to ClemsonPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to a number of mediums, uh, however you like to consume your podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Also follow us on Twitter there, like us on Facebook. Um, always good to get hear from our, uh, our followers and our fans. And um, one last thing as we're, as we're going into the new year, we're going to have on several guests for basketball, guys from Shaking the Southland. But we'll also have on a few Clemson personalities, former players, would love to get your opinion on who you would like to hear from. I don't, you know, I don't know if we can get the Dabo Sweeney's uh, of the world, but we'd like to think that we can get maybe some pretty cool former players. So we'd love to know your opinion, who you would like to hear from uh, here on the podcast. So signing out here. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks again to Quacking Tiger. Go Tigers.